Welcome to the Healthy Podcast presented by Melrose Wakefield Healthcare. My name is Rob Branya, and I am pleased to welcome today's guests to Studio B at Wakefield Community Access Television. Dr. Brian Clark is Chief of Gastroenterology and Medical Director of Endoscopy at Melrose Wakefield Hospital and Gastroenterologist at Tufts Medical Center Community Care. And Melissa Soto is Patient Navigator for Gastroenterology at Melrose Wakefield Hospital. Thank you both for being here and welcome to the Healthy Podcast. Thank you, Rob. Thank you. Happy to be here. Great. Uh, so we're recording today's episode in March, which is National Colon Cancer Awareness Month, and that is today's topic. Uh, as we frequently do with the Healthy Podcast, let's start with the numbers. Colon cancer is still the second leading cause of cancer deaths, resulting in over 850,000 deaths worldwide each year, with more than 53,000 deaths related to the disease expected to occur in the U.S. in 2020 this year. And with that said, um, and here's the irony, colon cancer is preventable, detectable, and treatable. So the burning question, Dr. Clark, is why? Why so many deaths from a disease we can prevent, detect, and treat? What a great question, Rob. Yeah, one of, the, one of my favorite questions because it's something that, uh, that you know, drives me crazy on a daily basis um, to see, um, you know, such a dichotomy of a preventable disease. So, you know, I think to, to start off, let's define colon cancer. So just so everybody is aware, so colon cancer means a cancer of the large intestine. And so that uh, includes the colon and the rectum. And this is an organ that everybody has, men, women, all races, all ethnicities, everybody has a colon. So this is a disease that can affect anybody, um, hence why it's so common. Um, and so um, to me, um, the question you pose is one of still kind of the biggest tragedies of healthcare today because we have a disease that is preventable by undergoing screening and yet it continues to be the second leading cause of colon cancer, of cancer death, and the third most common cancer that we have in, in the world. Um, and so, uh, you know, I think it's important to kind of identify why is this the case? How could it be possible that you can have such uh, a preventable disease be so common? So, um, so what, what do you think, Melissa? Melissa's the expert here. So how can you possibly explain why a disease that's so preventable can actually result in so many deaths? And, and I think it may be helpful, uh, Melissa, if you can first sort of explain your role a little bit, because you're the one sort of out there on the front lines talking to people and, you know, understanding what their questions are. So, so maybe if you could talk a little bit about that and then sort of what that experience that you've got. So what I do, I help patients book colonoscopies, <clears throat> and I help them and explain to them what the procedure. A lot of the time, the things that I come across is they don't know what. So they listen to their friends, and they listen to everybody else, and they think that they hear these horror stories because of where the equipment is going. They're asleep. They're not in control of their own body. A lot of people don't like not being in control. Um, they get embarrassed a lot of the times because they think if they're going to, do things that they can't control when they're asleep. So that's 
a big factor, especially with the men that call. They don't want to do that test because they don't, it's that area, that body, but they don't want, do you know what I mean? That's the biggest thing I find when I'm booking with these people, like I have to. Yeah, so you, your job is so important because you help people get screened, you know, that, yeah. that, and that's the key here. So the reason that, you know, we have so many deaths still is because people just simply aren't getting screened. That's the big problem. So, you know, we have about a third of our population don't get screened. They, they actually, you know, one in three people of the appropriate age for colon cancer screening have not yet undergone screening. So that's what we are trying to change with this Navigator program. That's what Melissa works tirelessly on a daily basis to, to see how can we get more people to be screened for this disease. And, and she's excellent at doing this. So, and that's why we're, we're working on those numbers. So yep. we're trying to get more people in. Yep. And it's interesting, um, Melissa, you mentioned control. Um, and I, I think especially in a topic like this, knowledge is power, right? Mm-hmm. So two years ago, on my 50th birthday, on the very same day I received in the mail my notice to get a colonoscopy and my um, welcome to AARP. So happy <laughs> birthday. Um, but one of the things that I did immediately was call the Navigator program at that point. And I got that knowledge. And you know, you talk about people having sort of a lack of control, but I think once you get that knowledge, I felt just so empowered. Um, and, and I felt like I knew what I needed to do. I knew what was going to happen, and it really made it easy for me. Um, so I, I think that's really important, and I think what we can do here today is give a little bit of that knowledge as well. So let's jump right in. Um, you know, big level, high level, what do we all need to know? What are the risk factors? Um, you know, why does everybody need to be screened instead instead of some certain people? So we can jump right in. Yeah, absolutely. So. So yeah, so the way colon cancer occurs is it um, it develops from small growths in the colon or the intestine. Those are called polyps. Polyps are visible. You can actually see them by doing a colonoscopy. So a colonoscopy is a procedure where we use a small camera that goes on the inside of the large intestine, and we can actually see these polyps. We can see these growths as they're growing before they can grow into colon cancer. And when, when we see these, we actually take them out right then and there. During the colonoscopy, we remove the polyps. That's something the patient does not feel at all. Uh, they're asleep for this and they don't feel discomfort with removal of polyps. Uh, and by removing that polyp, you've then eliminated the chance that that polyp can grow into colon cancer. So that's how we prevent colon cancer. And so doing this procedure, this colonoscopy, is extremely effective. It's actually the only cancer currently that has a screening test that actually prevents death from that disease. We don't have other cancers we can prevent like we do with colon cancer. Uh, And so colonoscopies with the way we do that. Um, And so who should be screened? You mentioned, so what are are the risk factors? So so currently we are, uh, the current USPSTF guidelines recommend everybody over age 50 get screened for colon cancer. Um, and we'll talk probably a little later about uh, there are some potential changes in that screening uh, at younger ages, but, but for simplicity purposes, 
if you're 50 or older, you, if you haven't been screened, you should be screened for colon cancer. Um, and so, again, everybody has a colon, men, women, all races and genders, uh, all races and ethnicities. Uh, and so, um, so although um, you may have risk factors that increase your chance of getting colon cancer, you don't need to have a risk factor. You should, have, you should be screened regardless. So some of the risk factors are uh, being overweight, um, smoking, uh, male gender, um, older age, um, and uh, other medical conditions like inflammatory bowel disease, diabetes, things like that. Eating lots of red meat and processed meats has also been associated with increased cancer risk. Um, but the bottom line is, regardless of your risk status, everybody should come in. So it seems pretty simple. Um, why aren't people having it done? What are some of the barriers? Uh, I don't know. Melissa, maybe you can jump in. A lot of people think they don't need to have it done because they're not having any symptoms. They say, I'm fine. There's nothing going on. I'm good. And then we tell them, no, it's, you need to be more scared of not doing it than doing it because the, there's not always symptoms. That's a, act, uh, actually a great point. I get that all the time in the office. Doc, I don't need to have a colonoscopy. I have no symptoms. Why are you making me do this procedure? And I tell them the most common symptom of colon cancer, early colon cancer, is no symptom at all. So that's why we do screening without symptoms. That's a great, that's a great barrier. Thank you, Melissa. <coughs> what else? Yeah. What are some of the other things you, you hear the patients say why they're, that they're not doing this? A lot of the patients want to do the fit test at home because they keep seeing this commercial. <laughs> so that's what they would rather do. So they figure they don't need to do the whole screening. That, that brings up, yeah, that brings up a good point. So there are alternatives to colonoscopy for screening. So, so um, you know, stool tests, that's where you actually collect your a stool sample and send it in to a lab is another option. You may see Cologuard on, uh, on the TV commercials or stool fit testing. And so these are tests, it's probably important to kind of discuss the differences between stool testing and colonoscopy because they do achieve different ends. So the, the goal of colonoscopy is to prevent colon cancer, whereas the goal of the stool tests is to detect colon cancer. And so they are different in the fact that one is a preventative test, whereas the other is trying to find cancer early so that we can then treat it and prevent any major bad outcomes. Um, so yes, different tests with different goals. Yeah, it's a great distinction. And let's jump right to what was the elephant on the table for me uh, when I turned 50, the prep. What I found when I went for mine is that you know, it was mixed with a sports drink and all I really tasted was the sports drink. Um, and, you know, after all of the, you know, quote unquote horror stories that I heard from other people, I found that not to be the case at all. Um, can you talk a little bit about what some of the fears of people are regarding the prep and what we do now to make it a little simpler? A lot of people see when they get their prep instructions, the amount of liquid, the 96 fluid ounces, and automatically they assume that it's just the most liquid in the world. They can't do it, but what they don't understand is they have 13 hours to complete it. You don't have to, and I can't stress this enough, not to um, chug a lug it to try to get it over with because <laughs> it's not good. But, and a lot of people too don't like the fact that they're drinking it with the sports drink because of the sugar factor. So I let them know that they can use smart water or life water because it has the electrolyte 
in the water so it just tastes like water and they're not getting all the extra sugars they don't really care for the go lightly they say it's very salty so we try to um, work with the doctors to do customized preps lower volume of liquid try to see if we can get them around the ones that they don't like and how we can make it taste a little bit better for them you know. That's well, an that's a awesome point, Melissa. So I think that's one of the huge advantages of having somebody like Melissa there. You can bounce your concerns off, you know. Oh, I don't, I don't like this about the prep. I'm concerned about this with the prep. And she's there to answer those questions. And, and the good thing about the bowel prep is we have so many options now. We have low-volume preps. We have um, flavor, you know, preps that, you know, d are flavorless, so they just taste like whatever you mix them in. Um, so we have a lot of options, and, and as long as it's a safe option for the patient, we're, we're able to customize, just like Melissa said. So she, she's super helpful in that regard. Okay, great. Um, let's continue on this vein a little bit with a little bit more of a colonoscopy myth-busting, uh, if, if we will. Um, Dr. Clark, are there things you hear? Melissa, are there things that you hear um, that we can sort of get out there as informational right now to help people? Yeah, I think one of the big, you know, we've hit on a few of the things that I hear a lot is, why do I need it? Um, I, I don't have symptoms. That's a big one. Another one is, uh, Doc, I don't want to, I don't want you to find anything. I'm not going to do this because I don't want you to find anything. And that one I hear from my family members even sometimes, you know, and so that drives me crazy because I always say, listen, if there's something in there, that's exactly when we do want to find it. We want to find it now. We want to find it early because the good thing about colon cancer is it's not only preventable, but it's also highly treatable as long as you find it early enough. And that's the most important part. So if you have something, we want to know about it now and we want to, we want to take care of it. So that's, that's one of the big myths is I don't want you to find something. Uh, and that's exactly what, what, if you have it, we do want to find it and we want to find it now. So that's one of the things I hear. How about you, Melissa? It's basically the same. Yeah. As far yeah. as like why they don't want to do it. Yeah. Like there's no issues. Yeah. Another one is, you know, uh, I, I'm afraid it's going to be painful. You know, pain's a big one that, that people think, I, I can't do this. It's going to be painful. I've heard horror stories. I will say that the sedation for this has come a long way over the years. Um, to be honest, the most common thing I hear from my patients after they wake up from a colonoscopy is that was the best nap and sleep I have had in years, especially from young mothers, you know, or, or, or you know, they haven't slept in 18 years since they had their uh, their child. So I think that's one of the common things concerned is going to be painful. But this really, the procedure itself is is not meant to be painful. And, and the majority of people have absolutely no discomfort uh, and feel fine. Yeah. Well, that's interesting that you mentioned that because I remember when I did have mine, um, you know, I was on the table and I closed my eyes for a minute and then I opened them and I thought, oh, geez, you know, they still haven't even started yet. And then they were telling me, you're done. <laughs> um, so I felt absolutely nothing. Yeah. And um, like you said, it was a great sleep. So yeah. Um, one of the things you had mentioned earlier, Dr. Clark, was younger people. And um, I, I've read some other articles and stories saying that all of a sudden there seems to be, I don't know if it's the right word, but surge in the number of younger people um, who are finding that they have polyps or even colon cancer. Um, what's going on there? Yeah, good question. We have, uh, you know, this is something pr relatively new that we're seeing in, in studies that we're 
uh, we're finding. So it's interesting. Around the 1990s is when we really started doing colonoscopy very regularly for screening purposes. And since then, the, you know, the occurrence of colon cancer in people over age 50, which is our screening age, has steadily declined. And it continues to go down since that time, which is a testament to how effective colonoscopy is for preventing colon cancer. But also since that time, the opposite has occurred for people under age 50. So between age 40 and 50, that incidence of colon cancer has actually risen over the, over the same time frame, uh, which is really concerning. You know, it, it is a disease that is now, um, you know, in people under age 50 is taking up 10% of all the colon cancers are in people in a, in a population that we don't even screen regularly. Um, and so that's, that's been a big, uh, a big issue. And that, and that's one of the reasons why we're trying to push to lower the screening age. The American Cancer Society, uh, maybe two years ago, recommended lowering the screening age to 45. There's a lot of groups who are trying to push for lowering the screening age in that way so that we can find cancers earlier. Um, the question is why? And we, we don't really know, to be honest. Uh, that's still a bit of a mystery. It is probably environmental exposures, something in the environment that we're that our you know age cohorts are being exposed to that our parents and grandparents maybe weren't what that is we don't currently know we will probably know years from now with with study but whether it's something we're eating or being exposed to in the, the environment um, you know increased inflammation uh, inflammatory uh, findings we don't really know but the important thing to know is that it's happening younger people are getting colon cancer younger people are getting polyps so we have to be more vigilant particularly if people have symptoms at a young age, we have to take them seriously. Melissa, just wondering, um, people's resistance to having a colonoscopy, do you find it being sort of the younger age spectrum or the older age, or is there a difference? It's the older men. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> and um, It's the men. Yeah. And like I said, uh, having been through this, uh, it is so easy. It, as a matter of fact, at Melrose Wakefield Hospital, we like to call it call it colonoscopy um, So that's <laughs> sort of the inside language that we have. And Melissa and our navigators are, are the ones who help make it colonoscopy So exactly. they, they really work hard to do that. Yeah. But I, I think for some slight inconvenience, you know, for a day and a half every five years, um, I'll take that inconvenience for the peace of mind uh, in, in knowing that, you know, there's a cancer that I could be preventing. Yeah, I mean, that's an important point is that if you have no risk factors and you come in for a colonoscopy and we get a good view and there's no polyps there, you actually get to go 10 years between your next colonoscopy. So this is not something you have to do every year. This is, it is an event, you know, you do have to take the day off of work, um, but it is potentially a one in every five or 10 year event that prevents you from dying from colon cancer, which is very common. I'd like to wrap things up, but want to ask you uh, if we missed anything, uh, if there are other things that, that you want to discuss before we go. Um, so I'm going to open it to you. Yeah, I mean, the, ma the main thing for me is that, you know, it all comes back to that first question you post is, how can a preventable disease cause so many deaths? And the answer is, people aren't being screened. One in three people who should be screened over age 50 have not been screened. So look around at your friends, your family, if they're over age 50, 
and you're in a, a room full of three or more people, then at least one of them probably hasn't been screened. So, you know, I think we need to talk about this more. I think people need to feel comfortable talking about this disease. It's very common. There should be no embarrassment. Um, and, and so I think that's the key is really finding the barrier in each individual. What is preventing that person from not getting this test done that can prevent them from dying? And, and, and that's where Melissa really, really shines is talking with that individual, finding what's preventing them from doing this test, and then helping them overcome that problem so that they can then um, get, get the care they need. That's great. Um, so one last reminder, if you are over 50 and have not had a colonoscopy, please do so. The navigators like Melissa will walk you through the whole process so give them a call at 781-213-5212. It's very important. Dr. Brian Clark, gastroenterologist, uh, chief of gastroenterology and the medical director for endoscopy at Melrose Wakefield Hospital, and Melissa Soto, GI patient navigator at Melrose Wakefield Hospital. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Rob. Thank you for having us. Uh, if you enjoyed this podcast or have feedback for us or want to suggest future topics, please drop us a note at community at melrosewakefield.org. The Healthy Podcast is co-produced by Melrose Wakefield Healthcare and our good friends at Wakefield Community Access Television. For more information, listings of community events and lectures, or to find a doctor, visit melrosewakefield.org. All content heard on The Healthy Podcast was created for information purposes only. This content is not intended to be substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or qualified provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition.